Word of God that gives us insight into the church, gives us a direction, knowing His purpose, why did He do this? And if we take the time to look, if we take the time to, to study, we see that um, God does give much insight. And in the book of Acts, um, chapters... Two, three, four, and five, the church is just exploding. God is working, and, and they are seeing things done. And at the same time, they are seeing um, uh, persecution increase. And yet, um, in, in Acts chapter 4, the, the great statement, um, we ought to obey God rather than man. If it comes down to who we're going to obey, the disciples said, we, we will obey God. In Acts chapter 5, um, Peter was imprisoned and uh, they were set free. And they told them, we don't want you filling Jerusalem with this doctrine and and they said, well, um, we ought to obey God rather than man, and if it means we perish, so, so be it. Well, then, um, chapter 5 ends that they were daily in the temple and in every house, and they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus. Then it's like things shift gears in chapter 6. And in those days, verse 1 of chapter 6, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word, and the same please the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip and Procurus and Nicanor and Timian and Parmenius, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. So, this morning we looked at, um, briefly, the role of a pastor. We said the Bible, and in particular, 1 Timothy chapter 3 spells out there are pastors and deacons, two offices in a church. And we looked this morning at the roles of the pastor that involve names defining as bishop, elder defining the role, pastor, teacher, minister, and so on. Tonight we want to look at the biblical role of deacons. Now, you see, Acts chapter 6 gives us the beginning of the raising up of deacons. How did this development come about? 
The office of a deacon came about as a result of church problems. You know, sometimes we get the idea that, oh, the New Testament church, everything was wonderful, things were happening, and they were seeing God work. The New Testament church was made up of people just like you and I, and wherever you have people, you have what? Problems, all right? And and there were definite problems that that arose in in this situation. Um, you had basically um, two very different groups of ethnic Jews. There were the native Hebrews. These Jews had grown up in the region of Palestine, Judea, Galilee, etc. And that, that was their Jewish homeland. These Jews either spoke Aramaic or Hebrew at home. And generally, they followed the traditional customs of Jewish dress, culture, and social interaction. But also you had, um, as it mentions here, the Grecians or the Hellenistic Jews. These were ethnic Jews, but they had grown up outside of Palestine. They were heavily influenced by Greek culture, despite now living in Palestine. And most likely they primarily spoke Greek, even at home. And they... Because they grew up in other places, they often tended to adopt um, Greek fashions and customs alongside with their Jewish traditions. Well, apparently the early church had a program that provided meals to widows, and the Hellenistic Jews that had some of the Greek culture involved in them were concerned that their widows were being treated less fairly than the native Hebrew widows. So here you had prejudice right in one people's group. Um, The heart of man is always um, prone to make divisions and cause problems and so on and so forth. So there arose murmurings. I don't think they're treating us as fairly. You know, so-and-so over there, they haven't given her a meal in two weeks. Really? Wow. Well, you don't come to think of it. She's a, she's a Grecian, isn't she? Yes, she is. Well, we better keep an eye on this. And there started. And there were some real problems they're just playing favorites here, and they don't like us. And maybe, maybe. and um, so there, there were some major problems. And the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and they said, "You know, we've got problems here, and uh, it is important that we do not leave the word of God. It is important that we give ourselves to the word of God and." teaching the Word of God and prayer. And we need uh, to raise up some men that can take care of this. And they were raised up to deal with murmurings and to solve problems. That's what initially got it going. 
And the word that is used throughout the Bible, the word deacon, literally means a minister or a servant to others. Literally, the word in their context meant through the dust, suggesting a servant hastening to serve or wait on his, on his master. Um, so their definition is, is literally they are servants. They are there to help take care of needs. They, um, the, the very term literally through the dust um, is in a very practical sense um, to serve. We'll, we'll touch on this more in a little bit. But um, in the sense of Acts chapter 6, they, for the well-being of the church, they said, we don't want these that are ministering the Word of God to cut short that and come take care of these and sort out, okay, how are we going to set up this meal plan? And how do we make sure that these widows aren't neglected? And how do we solve this problem so there's not murmuring, so there's not disputes? And they said, well, let's, let's specifically designate that this group would be specifically designated to take care of these needs specifically designated to assist for the well-being of the church, that the Word of God would keep going forth, what we talked about this morning, and that the needs would be met, so that needs would be met, and that murmurings and disputings would be put down. So they were raised up, if you please, as assistant to the disciples assistant to the pastors. Now, you think of the duties of the deacons, God specifically, pastors and deacons. And and again, I'll I'll touch on this in in a little bit more, but um God gives different responsibilities, not meaning that certain people are more important than others. Men are given in the family are given different responsibilities than women. It doesn't mean men are more important or or have a higher place. They're they're different. They're given different responsibilities. I never dreamed that I'd live to see the rebellion against God and his design like we're seeing today in just gender roles. Um it's just incredible that God created male and female. And, and they're all important to God. And the same is true when we're looking at various designations. Okay, this is a role that you are to fulfill. This is another role, be it pastor, be it deacons, be it the, the members of the body. And the duties of the deacon primarily deal in the realm of responsibility in temporal service. Um, they, for example, right here in our church, and this you have to set up certain things in certain ways for the purpose of of people being ministered unto. So we have three different care groups and two deacons in each care group, 
and the deacons um, help set up meals for families that, that need it and help get flowers to the people that are sick and organize a care group to minister and serve. And um, a deacon ordered the flowers to be sent to the opening of a friend's new um, new business. And when the deacon got there, he was shocked to see the flowers with the inscription, Rest in Peace. And he was outraged, and he immediately went to the florist and complained. And the florist just looked at him and said, Well, it could be worse. Just think. Today, someone was buried beneath a floral arrangement with the inscription, Congratulations on your new location. <laughs> now, in, in dealing with some of these things, oftentimes it's a, a thankless job. I mean, it is. You're, you're dealing with um, a lot of things that are temporal but are important. And, and sometimes, um, we're not going to go in and, and deal with, uh, give illustrations of it, but, you know, how many of you, um, I'll ask it this way. How many of you mothers have given birth to a child? I'm not done there yet, okay? A mother giving birth to a duh, that's redundant, right? You've given birth to a child. And you have received meals from the church, one form or another. How many of you have had that? Raise your hands, okay? Okay, many of you, all right? Now, that takes someone getting in, contacting either in the care group or calling and setting up. These are practical things, but... Those have, we've heard have really, really been a great blessing. Um, the husbands have said, this is great. Can this go on for five weeks? No, they haven't said that. But it, it is a great blessing to, to those that have a child or, or um, maybe a sickness or whatever else. This is a, a temporal thing. Now, have we been perfect in it? Have we neglected some? Yes, not on purpose, but understand, we, we try to designate, okay, these are some things that we want to get done, and I was going to say, it's pretty hard to provide a meal if you don't know. Well, of course, when they have a baby, you usually know, okay? But sometimes it's almost like this. I'm going to go into the hospital. I'm going to have surgery. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to come home, and I'm going to say, huh, no one did anything for me. I must not be very important. No, you're just a snake in the grass is what you are. You're just looking for trouble. You got your blanket and your thumb, and you're sucking on it, and, oh, poor me. And honestly, if you looked around tonight and you said, wow, they got a meal, but I haven't got a meal, 
Well, be a meal giver. That's how you can be a part of the church. Don't be thinking what can be done to me. I don't know how I got on all that, but it's pretty important what I just said, all right? But seriously, we set aside, and there are various things that that are given the responsibilities, these temporal things that are in temporal doesn't mean they're not important. They are very important. And it is important that, that they be given responsibilities enough that, okay, we are designating these people will make sure that this is taken care of. Um, again, so that the Word of God is not minimized. Now, in this passage, and in 1 Timothy 3, we don't have um, the liberty tonight or the time to go in and look at all the qualifications, but this is something you really need to go in and read because uh, by next Sunday night we need your nominations for the officers of the church, and part of that is for the deacons. So you need to pray over that, and you need to see what the biblical qualifications, but the distinctives of deacons, it says they must be men. Look you out among you, seven men. Look out from among you, seven men who are members, and that they are members that that model, that they are committed to... um, Biblical principles. It doesn't mean they're perfect. It doesn't mean that. But do they have a servant's heart? If someone is not willing to serve, they probably shouldn't be given the responsibility of being a deacon. Do they manifest a servant's heart? Do they work well with others? And in working well with others... It doesn't necessarily mean that they specifically work well with others in, um, for example, just handling finances. Story is told the city boy, Kenny, moved to the country and he bought a donkey from an old farmer for $100. The farmer agreed to deliver the donkey the next day and the next day the farmer drove up and said, I'm sorry, son, I have some bad news. The donkey died. He said, that's okay, just give me my $100 back. He said, well, I can't do that. I spent the money already. And the young man said, oh, that's okay. Just go bring me the dead donkey. And the farmer said, what are you going to do with the dead donkey? And he said, I'm going to raffle it off. You can't raffle it off. Oh, yes, I can. A month later, the farmer met the young man and asked, what happened with that dead donkey? He said, I raffled him off. I sold 500 tickets at $2 apiece and made a profit of $900. Did anyone complain? He said, just the guy that won. So I gave him his money back. (laughs) The story says he grew up to be a deacon in charge of the finances at the local Baptist church. (laughs) Now, that's not what we're meaning when we say 
they um, work well with others or have a special gift, it's do they meet the biblical qualifications and do they model that? And again, none, no man stands up and says, oh, I'm ready to be that. If someone stands up and says that, I really want to be a deacon, I'm ready to be that, that's a pretty good sign they probably shouldn't be. They're they're busy serving, they're busy helping, they're busy doing what they ought to, and if the church body says, you know what, we think that this is something we care so much about these things being done, we want to put you as a servant of the church. Deacons are not the spiritual elite of the church. It doesn't mean, wow, I just got elected to the top, I'm in the top five of the DPF. I don't know what, deacons for prayer or whatever, I don't know. Some of you got what I was trying to get at, but at any rate, it doesn't mean they're the spiritual elite. It means they've been designated to serve in this area, and they're willing to serve it. It doesn't mean they're the rulers of the church. The deacons are oftentimes uh, what they're designed. They go do the dirty work. They get the bids. They do this. They bring it to the church, and the church decides, okay, what do we need to do with this? The deacons aren't the rulers of the church, nor are they the slaves of the church. The deacons ought to fix this, and the deacons ought to do that, and how come the deacons aren't doing this? They're not the slaves of the church. They are servants of the church, specifically designated, and the ultimate goal is that the word of God would prosper. And that's what you read in the book of Acts chapter 6. Now, we want to make some application here. Five questions to ask ourselves. Am I part of the problem or the solution? Somewhere along the line in the New Testament church, the murmuring, someone came and said, hey, something needs to be done about this. And there were others that came up with a solution, and this was the solution. In every situation, and there are problems that arise, do we pour gas on it, or do we pour water on the fire? Are we... A part of the problem, or we are, are we a part of the solution? I'm not just talking in church. As people, are we part of the problem at work, or are we part of the solution? In, in the community, in, the, in Sheraton, in wherever you live, am I part of the problem? The world doesn't need any more people saying, oh, look at that, that's wrong, and look at that. Why are they doing that? That is stupid. There's enough of that around, but there's very few coming up with solutions. And in a church, we need to ask ourselves, am I part of the problem or the solution? I mean, when when you drive home from church, are you pointing out problems and solutions or just pointing out problems? See, 
in every area, we as believers really, we should be known as solution finders. Because we have the solution in Jesus Christ. And, and at work, in business, in the home, in the church, am I part of the problem or am I part of the solution? Number two, we need to ask ourselves, am I a servant to the church or, are, or do I desire to be served? And this comes back to what we mentioned about our understanding of membership. Membership is not like joining a country club. I paid my tithes. What am I going to get out of this? I joined the church. What benefits do I get? I'm not getting much out of this. No, I'm a part of this body. I was born into this body. I may be the pancreas. I may may be the molar, but whatever. I'm part of this, and I am contributing to this body. This body wants to get something done, and I am contributing. I am not here to be served. I am here to serve. And we need to ask, think about it. What if every person in this church became just like you? Would that be a a boost to the church, or would it take it down? If everybody served like you, if everybody prayed like you, if everybody shared Christ like you, if everybody gave like you, if everybody invested their time like you, if everybody had your attitude, would it be, wow, the church would really grow, I mean, would really be benefited, it'd be positive, or would it be, would it be a downer? Then number three, am I committed to having our church be biblical? Am I committed to... Uh, Okay, what does God say about this? Then let's do that. And what does God say about this? And let's do that. Am I really committed or am I just committed to this is how it's always been and this is how we've always done it? You know, it is always good for us to ask, whatever we do, is, is this, does the Bible say anything about this? Is this biblical? Is is it have anything, any principles that are laid down that apply to this? Number four, am I a proper model to others? Do I model what a member of the body should be? Do I model to others? What is it that I model? And we kind of touched on this. Um, and would, would it make us a better church or a lesser church? And then number five, do I pray for our deacons and the ministry of this church? You know, honestly, um, we often have a difficult time finding men that are willing to say, you know what, I'm willing to serve, because it does take time. And there are meetings, and there are investments, and there are problems to deal with, and people to deal with, and, and things. And do we, as a body, pray for our deacons and, and for the ministry of this church, that we really would function as a body, that... They would know we are Christians by a genuine love that we have one for another. I mean, 
This is where God's put us, and this is what God's given us. And we need uh, to reach the potential that God has given to us, and we can't if we are not praying for one another. And this morning we mentioned praying for as pastor, but praying for deacons, praying for one another. One of the reasons we, we divide up in the care groups is to, to bring it down a little smaller. So, you know, sometimes the praying for the whole church, the Lord bless the church. No, bring it down a little smaller. Go through your care group and pray for those in your care group. I mean, even if you prayed for one a day, that'd be, that'd be better than oftentimes what we're doing. Or pray for five a day and then let them know that you're praying for them. But in particular, in your care group, the two deacons that God's given you, Pray for them. Ask them, how can I help? How can I serve? What is there that I can do? And that is what makes a body function. So, of the five things we mentioned this morning about leading and feeding and protecting and serving, what we've really done today in these times is to try to teach what the Bible says about pastors and deacons. Then it's our responsibility to say, okay, if this is what God says, what can I do to help fulfill these roles that we would truly be a biblical church? Now, honestly, um, today... I'd lot, I'd lot rather preach on a lot of different things. I mean, this to me, this just isn't come natural for me, okay? But at the same time, it's very, very, very important. And I understand that we need to, and God's confirmed, we need to come back and remind ourselves, why do we do what we do? And we need to... I am all for everything we do. We need to ask, why do we do what we do? Is there a, is there a reason for it? Now, be very, very careful, as we've alluded to in the last few weeks. Don't tear down the fence until you know why it was built. There's a lot of people that have torn down a lot of fences, and they don't, I'm talking in spiritual matters, and they have no idea why those fences were built until it's too late. Once the horse is out of the barn, it doesn't do a whole lot of good to shut the barn door. France found that out, and I'm afraid we're going to find it out. And the reality is, we need to come back and say, okay, God, teach us to be the type of church you want us to be. Heavenly Father, I pray that you truly would Um, work in our hearts and lives that we would be what you want us to be. Lord, I pray each one of us would take personally our responsibilities to um, truly be solution-oriented wherever we are in life. And Lord, that we would look for ways to serve and have an eager, anxious heart willing to serve, and Lord, I do pray 
that you would bless the deacons and their wives and families. I thank you for the men and their wives that have been willing to take the responsibilities, the added responsibilities, and are willing to serve in these areas. And Lord, I pray that you would bless them. And I pray that together we would grow to be a body that that truly magnifies your name, that brings glory to you, and that there would be glory in this church. Lord, I pray this week that we would be encouragers. I pray this week we would walk in your spirit and that we would be faithful to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before